Julie and I, speaking of Julie, Julie and I were talking this week and commiserating a little bit about moments when we, uh, we feel our limits and, you know, the finitude of our humanity to use fancy words for it. Uh, that's fancy for we don't know stuff and we're confused and disoriented. Um, and so we were just kind of talking about, yeah, gosh, sometimes we have these moments where we come up against the wall and we're like, what do I really believe about life and how can I really know? Uh, their certitude, being certain about anything seems like grasping at shadows. And, um, you know, I know lots of us, all, all of us probably have had those moments or even are in those moments where we are, we're wondering about the substance of our faith. Um, we're, it, it really feels like we look, we look through a mirror dimly as the apostle Paul said. And in the midst of that conversation with Julie, you know, it occurred to me, I, I just started thinking about what do I do? Where do I go when I really feel confused and disoriented and just really present to the limits of my ability to know and understand and grasp what's going on in this world and all the more in the spiritual realms? And... Um, you know, I found myself thinking back about how my, my anchor really is the story of Jesus. Um, for all that I wonder about God and how God works in the world, at the end of the day, I'm anchored in the story of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was a person. He lived uh, in the world. He, he was real. He had an existence and a, a story and a ministry. And, and if it's true, and I believe that it is, if it's true that he's the son of God, he is, uh, the, uh, the fullness of deity. When we look at Jesus, we see the heart and the person of God in living color. He is the word in the flesh that there's something there in in the story of Jesus to hold on to and to find life in and to anchor ourselves in and root ourselves in. Uh, it reminds me of a part of the gospel I read this week that really resonated with me where Jesus said, you know, he, he has several moments where he really values children and people try to keep the children from coming to him. And he's like, no, let the children come to me. And he hugs them and he blesses them. And he says things like, when you welcome children, you welcome me. You don't even, you don't only welcome me, you welcome the one who sent me. You welcome God, God's self. And, and he also says that unless you have the posture, the faith, the trust of a child, you'll find it really difficult to enter into the life of the kingdom of God. And that really resonated with me. It reminds me of Richard Rohr's uh, phrase, the second naivete, which is a way of just saying, like, as we enter into the second half of our lives, spiritually speaking, not, not in age, 
but the turn uh, into deeper spirituality is really the turn into a uh, simple trust, uh, not that ignores the complexities and the nuances and the ambiguity, but embraces them with this second naivete, this, this simple trust. And for me, that simple trust is it's grounded in the person and the story of Jesus, which is why I think this little rhythm that we have every once in a while, kind of in between our conversation series that we just hunker down and read the gospel. And this week we've read the gospel of Mark um, and we'll be talking about it today. And every time, like I read it again this morning and when I finished, I was just like, yes. I mean, I love Jesus. I just love the guy. I, it ju- he just captures me all over again and lights me up. Um, even among all of the, all of the things in the world that I'm just completely confounded and befuddled by. Jesus gives me something to hold on to. Um, so with that, uh, I think it's, it's appropriate. Uh, it's helpful. It's timely that we kind of digest and talk about the gospel of Mark right now. And here we are right before Advent, which is the beginning of the Christian calendar cycle where we start to really work through the story of Jesus. And here we are getting to see the big picture of, of the story that we're about to walk out in the calendar to come. Uh, the advent and incarnation of Jesus, the epiphany, his baptism, uh, Lent and his road to the cross in Holy Week, and then his resurrection in the Easter season. Uh, we get to see the big picture of that in the Gospel of Mark this week. Uh, so here's what we're going to do this morning. I am going to share a five-minute video from the Bible Project, uh, just as a way of orienting us to the, the story of Mark. Um, and if you didn't read the story of Mark this week, that's okay. That's okay. This will give you something to respond to the reading we did out of Mark 8, which is really kind of the heart of Mark, might give you something to respond to. And then we're going to, uh, we'll break out into groups and just discuss how the story of Jesus is speaking to us in our personal and cultural moments. So I'm going to share my screen and uh, show this video, and then we'll go from there. The Gospel of Mark is a book in the Bible about the life of Jesus. And the earliest reliable tradition tells us that it was written by a guy named John Mark. Now, Mark didn't just grab a bunch of random stories about Jesus and throw them together. He's designed this book to address some really specific questions about whether or not Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. So let's stop right there, because that's a term a lot of people like me aren't very familiar with. Yeah, so the Messiah was a royal figure, sometimes called the Son of God, that Israel was expecting to come and set up a kingdom here on earth. And around the time of Jesus, Israel was occupied by Rome, and so many Jews were hoping that the Messiah would come and overthrow the Romans and rule as king. But Jesus didn't overthrow the Romans. In fact, he was killed by them. 
And that brings us to the very issues Mark is trying to get at in this book. So in the first half, he focuses on who Jesus is. Is he really the Messiah? And then in the second half, he's addressing how Jesus became the Messianic King. And then right here in the middle of the book is this pivotal story that brings the two halves together, and Jesus answers both of these questions. Okay, so let's talk about the first half of the book, who Jesus is. So Mark makes his beliefs about Jesus very clear from the first line of the book. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. One of the next stories is Jesus getting baptized and God's voice announces from heaven, this is my son. So it couldn't be more clear. It's presenting Jesus as the Messiah. Yes, but... As you're reading through this first half of Mark, you'll notice something really interesting start to happen. Jesus is going about healing all these different people, and he's constantly telling them to keep quiet about who he is. This happens so many times in Mark's account. It's very strange. Yeah, why keep it a secret? So remember, lots of Jews had lots of different expectations about what the Messiah would be and do. And so Jesus doesn't want people to misunderstand what it means for him to be Israel's Messiah. And so with all that in mind, we come now to the pivotal story at the center of the book where Jesus takes his disciples away and he asks them, who do you all say that I am? And Peter says what everyone's been saying. You're the Messiah, the Son of God. But then something new happens because Jesus starts explaining to them how he's going to become the Messianic king. And it is not what they expected. He says he's going to suffer and die and rule by becoming a servant. Or in his words, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to become a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter is startled by this and he rebukes Jesus because there's no way he's going to let Jesus die. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan, which is really intense. It really is. But it highlights how important it is for Jesus that his disciples come to understand who he really is. And so here now in this pivotal section, Jesus tries three different times to have this conversation with them. And every time they respond in confusion and even fear. Okay, so this launches us into the second half of the book, where Mark addresses the question of how Jesus becomes the Messianic King. It's the last week of Jesus' life. He goes to Jerusalem, gets in conflict with the religious leaders, and gets arrested. And he's put on trial as someone who's claiming to be the king of the Jews. He's even given a crown and a purple robe like a king would get, but it is all a cruel joke. Then he's mocked and beaten and hung up on a cross where he dies. And it's here in this crucial scene that we meet a new character. A Roman soldier. Who suddenly gets everything that's going on. He says, surely this is the son of God. Which is crazy. It's an enemy who's first putting it all together that Israel's messianic king is the crucified Jesus. That's the structure of the book of Mark. But the book doesn't end with Jesus dead on the cross. No. So on the third day, some women go to visit Jesus' tomb, only to find that it's empty. And then there's this angel standing there, instructing them to go and tell this good news that Jesus is alive from the dead. But instead, they run away and they don't tell anyone because they're afraid. And that's how the book ends. Which is a really abrupt ending. Yeah, it's so abrupt that later scribes did add an ending that brings more closure to the story. And you'll find that story in your Bible with a little footnote that says it was added much later. 
But Mark's a brilliant storyteller, and he's intentionally ended this book abruptly. So all through the book, the disciples have been confused about Jesus' plan to give up his life, the story in the middle, and now right here at the end. It's like Mark is acknowledging just how startling this claim really is. And he wants you, the reader, to wrestle with it for yourself. Is this crucified Jesus really the Messiah that they've been waiting for?